1: It's a beautiful city, isn't it? I used to think that people went there to do America's business, to represent us, right? They wanted to just figure out how to do the right thing and then they would do it. However, we now know it is a swamp and it's rotten to the core. That place, they're in it for themselves, only themselves. Democracy, no way, this is not about the people, it's about them. This has been a slow realization for me, but a couple of things have come together. Elon Musk reporting, of course, owning Twitter, releasing the documents, some of the things Rudy Giuliani has been saying, the New York Post reporting, what we've been hearing from Republicans we count on Capitol Hill. And now we know, and it's still shocking to me, that the FBI, who did not grow up revering the FBI, right? We were told they were the good guys. No, it looks like They were an arm of the Democrat Party in 2020, knowingly so. And they did everything they could to hurt Donald Trump and protect Joe Biden and cover up that laptop and lie about it. So this is the thing that really is appalling to me. The meetings that were held with the FBI and Big Tech. Did you know about this? Received hardly any attention so far. But it's confirmed once again in the Twitter files that the FBI was meeting weekly with Twitter and other big tech companies. And it wasn't only the FBI. No way. The Department of Homeland Security, the National Director of Intelligence, that office, all weighing in. Big tech. How do we stop Trump and how do we get Biden in there? It really is that cut and dry. Now, you know about the impeachments and all the things they tried to do to sabotage the Trump presidency. Uh, Here's something else. Take away a huge political advantage he has. Twitter, Donald Trump's a master of Twitter, right? And you may think that Twitter is not that important. Maybe you don't have a Twitter account. It is. It's more important than television in many respects. It runs the world somehow. Twitter is the most important platform for politicians, for celebrities,
2: and for journalists. I think Twitter is more important and it's the most important platform.
1: You can love Twitter, you can hate Twitter, but it is one of the most important communications platforms on the planet. Uh, They're not exaggerating, and if you can control Twitter, you can control who's in power. Who remembers the Arab Spring, was it a dozen years ago? Uh, Throughout the Middle East, Northern Africa, uprisings, and Twitter fueled that.
3: The Arab Spring in 2012
0: was fueled by Twitter posts. The Arab Spring happened because of Twitter. Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, the Arab Spring, the Masa Amini protest movement. Twitter gave us that.
1: Yes, they did. And arguably, it also gave us Barack Obama.
3: Don't underestimate the power of Twitter when it comes to the race for the White House in 2012. President Obama used social media to raise $745 million in the 2008 campaign. President Barack Obama obviously used social media very well, and a lot of people credit it for him.
4: President Obama was the,
3: the ringleader when it came to social media and engaging those young voters. Well, he's still the king.
1: Obama, during the presidential campaign, uh, used social media very, very well. They raised a lot of money online.
3: He is our first social media president. He's connected with the supporters on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. You saw in 2008 Barack Obama really using social media in a way that hadn't been used
1: before. All right, now they're exaggerating a little bit. Barack Obama was pretty good at Twitter. But since it's Barack Obama, wow, everything he does is extra special. But it's been documented uh, in 08 and 12, uh, social media, he maximized social media. And uh, it worked for him, it worked for him. But Barack Obama is an amateur compared to Donald Trump, When it comes to social media, Donald Trump dominated that space, controlled it Uh, by by the way, through legal means, by just being very, very good at it. He controlled the dialogue. He went over the heads of the media. They hated that. And he schooled everybody, especially Hillary Clinton.
3: Donald Trump has been a master of social media, good or bad, during this election.
4: If we learn something from Mr. Trump, then I would say he, nice,
1: he really is good in using Twitter. Trump gained the most followers on Twitter and was the most mentioned candidate of the night. He was the most searched candidate on Google as well. So everywhere we look, the, uh, the, the, what do you call it, the metrics favor him. Again, they hate praising him, but they had to because he was that good. And it helped him win in 2016. It's been documented, headlines all over the place. This is part of, look, history. He won Twitter, and it helped him win the election. 2016, remember that shocking night? Uh, Some of us weren't so shocked. Boy, the mainstream and Democrats, not only were they shocked, they were depressed Take a look at this famous picture from the Rose Garden. Uh, All those Obama staffers. This is the morning after. What do you think they were thinking? Uh, We're just going to have to work harder next time and get more votes? No. (laughs) It was a bit more sinister than that. A lot more sinister. They went to work trying to sabotage his presidency, first of all. And then they brought in the FBI again, Massive headquarters, by the way, right on Pennsylvania Avenue, conveniently located halfway between the Capitol and the White House. You think the people at the FBI might get it in their head that they're just as important as the U.S. Capitol and the White House? Maybe some of them, because they get to stay longer than presidents, think they're actually even more important. I think that's a real possibility. And, of course, just listen to the culture of the FBI. What they get away with, from staff lawyers to the FBI director himself, it is sickening.
4: A person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies constantly about matters big and small and insists the American people believe it, that person's not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds. Do you think the president is a threat? Is that what that means?
3: I think it's entirely possible. I think that's one of the reasons why we opened the case against him. The president himself might in fact be a threat to the United States national security. Without exaggeration, President Trump's counterintelligence vulnerabilities are exponentially greater than any president in modern history. So do you think the president is a national security threat? I do. It's really one of the more painful aspects of this entire two years. I mean, the president's attacks and assaults are one thing, but this is my institution. This is my Justice Department betraying us.
1: Your Justice Department? What about our Justice Department, America's Justice Department? Now, I know they're all ex-FBI, but you think they're different? You think they're outliers? I don't. I think they're emblematic of the FBI. And now, thanks to Elon Musk and that mm, he's in charge of Twitter and he is releasing all of the receipts, all of the notes, all of the emails, we know just how deep the FBI was in Twitter trying to mess with their business. And Twitter accepted them with open arms. Take a look. Uh, The FBI and Twitter were liaising, a.k.a. working together. Uh, Did you know that? I actually didn't know that. I think that's a really big deal. And what they were doing to regular Twitter users, that's a problem. I'll get to that in a moment. What else were they doing? Ah, Twitter was bragging, actually, that they were meeting with the FBI regarding Trump. This guy right here, Yoel Roth, who was like their chief content officer, was bragging about working with the FBI and talking about Trump. Also, we know this, the FBI suppressed and covered up the laptop. They lied about it. They deceived everybody. And they pretended it was hacked when everybody knew at the FBI that it was actually stolen, that it was hardware, that it wasn't Russia disinformation. So manipulative, so bad. And this is coming off of 2016. Remember these two? You can just smell the Trump support. (laughs) How horrific. And also, uh, hey, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? No, no, he won't. We'll stop it. They haven't explained that one away. There's no excuse, absolutely not. They were guilty in 2016 and guiltier in 2020. Now, however, I will give them this: they try to clean up the uh, the optics, the appearances. I mean, this is bad for the FBI's reputation. So they bring in uh, people like this, and he makes the case about what the FBI is really concerned about, given elections. Uh, He no longer works at the FBI. Uh, This isn't going to cut it, but nice try.
4: The FBI is charged with protecting the rights of all Americans, including their right to vote. While the responsibility to ensure a fair election process lies primarily at the state and local level, the FBI takes allegations of election-related violations of federal law seriously. The FBI investigates federal election crimes that generally fall into three categories, campaign finance crimes, voter ballot fraud, and civil rights violations. The FBI Washington Field Office works with our state and federal partners to engage with other law enforcement partners and provide resources about the
1: FBI's role in elections. All right, that's 2020, but it actually could be 1960. And actually, it sounds pretty decent to me. This is what the FBI should be looking at. Campaign finance, ballot fraud, civil rights. Absolutely. But that's not what the FBI limited themselves to. Oh, no. This is Elvis Chan, FBI special agent, uh, lots of friends in the tech world. And boy, was he happy to be there. In this interview, he outlines how, yeah, they've been working hand in glove with big tech throughout the campaign. This is not what the FBI should be doing, is it?
3: I think that we are moving along well and steadily improving, right? So we have Super Tuesday coming up next week, and then we have the elections in November. So I would like to report that the FBI and the U.S. government as a whole is all moving together in lockstep, getting ready for the big day.
1: Doesn't he sound like a political consultant? He's managing a campaign? He kind of is, actually. Super Tuesday. This is so outside the FBI's box. It's crazy. It gets worse. Describe how the FBI has really marshaled forces since 2016 in preparation for where we are now.
3: So, there are a lot of different things we're doing, but I'll, I'll, I'll limit it to a couple of things. So, I think one of the things that was really important to us that we didn't have ahead of 2016 was established channels of communication with private sector companies, specifically social media companies. So, we've done a much better job since 2016 of really establishing channels of communication, being able to share threat indicators with them so that they can protect their platform.
1: What is he talking about? First of all, we know now Russia, all that stuff, a hoax. It did not happen. And he's excited about what are they talking about? You think this guy likes Trump? Take a wild guess. I happen to know he doesn't. I saw a term paper he wrote. He despises him. Next
3: The other good thing that we've done is um, I think post 9-11, the interagency process, all the intelligence community, we've been working really well on counterterrorism, but maybe not quite as well on um, the election security. And so I can report that we're doing a really good job of sharing all of each agency's reporting with each other so everyone is really well informed of what is happening right now and what is on the horizon. So I think those are the two big things that we've
1: done. The entire swamp is involved in our election. Stay the hell out of it. Stay out of it. But they went in and it's in plain sight. And the media, they don't care. They actually approve of this stuff. And he's having fun. He can't keep a straight face. He's supposed to be worried about foreign interference. It's not that. It's influencing the election. It's big tech. It's liberals steering this election in the direction they want it with the assist, perhaps the direction of the federal government.
3: I'm, I'm used to working Russian hackers, right? right? And so we did the indictment of the FSB officers for the Yahoo hack. Little did I know that all of a sudden the Russians would be, you know, working on the election stuff. It, it's been really uh, I, is fun too strong a word. It's, it's been really interesting, interesting and fun.
1: Really interesting and fun. Fighting the Russians? No, it's not the Russians. It's Donald Trump. It's conservatives like you and me. It's a conservative like John Basham. Have you ever heard of this guy? Probably not. He's not particularly prominent, but looks like a good guy. John Basham, uh, a former GOP counselor in Tippecanoe County, Indiana. This guy has 56,000 followers on Twitter. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. But the FBI was watching his tweets. And let's put up the tweet. What was the problem, all right? This is John Basham, American citizen. The Democrats are in complete panic as their massive push for vote by mail is backfiring on them. Two things are unfolding. An unexpected number of registered Republicans are returning ballots. Two, between 2% and 25% of ballots by mail are being rejected for errors. Okay. Okay. That's what he's seeing. That's what he believes. He's an American citizen. He's allowed to talk about that. Not anymore. The FBI, the FBI, brings this, atten- this tweet to the attention of Twitter. Take a look. They've got a big concern. We just got a report from the FBI concerning two tweets. These are John Basham's tweets. Now, they're wrong, they say. The FBI, we believe, because PolitiFact politifact fraud by the way. You can't base anything on Politifact. This man, John Basham, has, again, 56,000 followers right now on Twitter. Good for him. But this is not—this is a citizen. He's allowed to say things. The FBI weighing in on John Basham, American citizens, flagging it. This is obviously a real problem. <laughs> also this. We know this, thanks to Elon Musk. Stop the steal? I'm all for stopping the steal, right? I talked about stopping the steal. What's wrong with stopping the steal? Oh, it's a problem. Twitter executives and the FBI had all kinds of conversations. Should we ban this? I think we should ban it. Wait a second. If we ban it, what about people who don't like the steal, the stop the steal? Maybe if they don't. Crazy discussions about our free speech. How about this? Trump is uh, stealing. Trump is stealing votes. Guess what? The FBI and uh, Twitter thought about that. They loved it. <laughs> they magnified it. It got well, retweeted and liked. Uh, they goosed this tweet all they could. There was a horrible uh, conspiracy theory out there that Donald Trump and Amy Coney Barrett were somehow in cahoots. Guess what uh, Twitter thought of this one? Well, technically, uh, this is a pr- let's prove this one because it's understandable and a reference to a U.S. Supreme Court decision. This is shocking stuff. The FBI... A bureaucracy, unelected, is messing with our democracy, and the media are pretending it's not happening. Every day, business as usual, or January 6th. And just remember that chuckling FBI agent, Special Agent Chan, huh? That is the face of treachery, everybody this man and what he did, this should be the most famous person in America. I'm gonna try to help, I'm gonna do my part. Will you do yours? I'll be right back. So Twitter and the FBI messing around with our democracy strikes very close to home right here at Newsmax. So thanks to Elon Musk, we know more about the treachery of Twitter, What they were doing to hurt Trump and help Joe Biden and protect Hunter Biden and censor the laptop, pretend it doesn't exist. This interview with Jim Jordan took place in December of 2020 right here on Newsmax. This is free speech, everybody. You're allowed to talk in America. I think you're at least supposed to be allowed to talk. Anyway, take a look.
3: You never had an election where the incumbent president gets 11 million more votes. It gets more votes at all. and and loses. That hadn't happened in 150 years. Where the president of the United States wins, he
1: wins Ohio by eight, he wins Iowa by eight, he wins Florida by three, and somehow doesn't get reelected. Wow. Great points, Jim Jordan. Interviewed right here on Newsmax uh, uh, one day in December. Good for him. But Newsmax, we were penalized. This was posted on social media and it was reduced by Twitter. We have this document and they put all kinds of warnings on it. They minimize its visibility and put a warning on it. You can't trust this because Jim Jordan doesn't know what he's talking about. Blah, 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 blah. He did. It's fine. And it's nobody else's business, quite frankly, except the viewer and Jim Jordan and us here at Newsmax censored like this. Now, a big reason for all these problems is the weirdos who work at Twitter, like this guy. At least he used to work there. Yoel Roth had a very senior job, and he, he was in charge of figuring out what we could see, not see, talk about, not talk about this guy. I'll get into the specifics of this ma- sorry, this person in a moment. But first, Donald Trump had his number years ago. Uh, here's one. This is, our, this is the arbiter. This guy is the arbiter of what's supposed to go on Twitter. He's the one he thought that, uh, he thought, and he used CNN as a guide, CNN, which is fake news, he uses CNN as a guide. His name is Yoel Roth. Here's your man, and that's on Twitter. Yoel Roth was a senior man in charge of uh, content and uh, talking to the FBI about Trump, <laughs> how to minimize him, how to reduce his visibility, how to steer this thing to Joe Biden. Now, here's well some of the reasons why this guy should not have been trusted with much of anything. Take a look.
3: I want to start by acknowledging that um, the targeting and the victimization of the trans community on Twitter is very real, very life threatening and extraordinarily serious.
1: Oh, yeah, one of these guys who sees everything through the lens of the trans community. None of that is true, by the way, but uh, it they're so committed. Next. It is dangerous, and it does contribute to an environment that makes people unsafe in the world.
3: So let's start from a premise that it's up.
1: Wow, that's not what you should be saying on a big stage with the microphones and the signage behind you. Here's a little bit more on this guy, who he is, what he stands for. Uh, I'm just saying we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for a reason. Fly over the states, i.e. fly over states, right? Right. He doesn't have any respect for anybody. Let's see. He's hanging around San Francisco and he's delighted to see a massive anti-Trump protest headed up Valencia Street. heart San Francisco. OK, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. That's in early 2017. Really thought that there were Nazis in the White House. Again, this is the person who's deciding what you and I could see on Twitter. It is obscene that this person had that kind of uh, authority. Next, please, wrapping up here. The patriarchy is bland, white dudes incorrectly mansplaining to their girlfriends what breed my dog is. I don't quite understand that. Next, uh, that awkward moment when you can't tell whether your neighbor has a really loud infant or is just watching really loud porn. Hmm. All right, kind of crazy. Just like his former boss, Jack Dorsey, Um, It'd be one thing if, you know, they could just be weird together and do their thing, but this affects all of us. I liken it, and I love this analogy, the Wright brothers. Hey, let's be thankful that the Wright brothers were good guys. (laughs) They invented the plane and they wanted to share it with the world, first with the American government. Could you imagine if Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg, characters like that, invented the airplane and they only wanted their woke friends to get rides? It's kind of the situation I feel we're in right now. So... Uh, Today, we had a new Twitter file drop from Elon Musk and his journalist friends. And we found out a little bit more about why Donald Trump was tossed off the platform after January 6th, basically because they didn't like him. (laughs) Uh, Just that Uh, Donald Trump did not violate any terms of service or any rules. He didn't. But they didn't like him. So they got rid of him. And they also had to ignore all the things he said when he was trying to, you know, kind of placate the situation, to pacify things. Remember the video, the numerous tweets? They suspended him anyway. And I hear all the time that, ooh, you know, the insurrection, and it's really concerned leaders all around the world. No. You know what really concerned leaders all around the world? This, the permanent suspension of Donald Trump off of Twitter. Because these world leaders, they have Twitter accounts. They, They know how it works. Emmanuel Macron of France... Said so this was anti democratic. Uh, Angela Merkel, who really hated Trump, said the whole thing was problematic. Uh, especially problematic and anti democrat when you realize that there are some monsters across the world who still tweet, who have tweeted awful things. Those tweets often are still up and they still have active Twitter accounts. This is Dr. Uh, Mohammed, he's the president of Malaysia. Uh, Listen to what he wrote once, and he still has an active Twitter account. Muslims have a right to be angry and to kill millions of French people for the massacres of the past. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Donald Trump said march peacefully and patriotically. This guy wants to kill French people, huh? That's a problem. How about the Ayatollah Khamenei? Israel is a malignant cancerous tumor in the West Asian region that has to be removed. And it, and he wants to do that why do you think they have a nuclear weapons program and not only does he still have an account that tweet i believe is still up this is insane so what is the biden administration what do they say about this well number one basically nobody is asking them and those who are are asking exceedingly politely we'll be right back with that Real heroes,
0: real conflict,
1: real threats, real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. No agenda, just the facts. Newsmax, real news for real people. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't, they don't get it, do they? And I, uh, I don't get it either about the fake news. I mean, this Twitter thing is so big and the collusion the FBI again working with them to hurt Trump help Biden uh, keep the laptop out of the public conversation nobody's talking about it nobody all those silly Sunday shows it's all Kristen Cinema, this Brittany Griner that it's just no the Twitter story oh it's it's a nothing burger no that's old news These are the same people who subjected us to the January 6th hearing, right? Remember that? January 6th hearings for two years, right? Nothing new, nothing new. mm. Anyway, ABC News. That's the show I watched yesterday. A couple of things about that. Uh, Chris Christie is their panelist. And Chris Christie had nothing to say about the Twitter situation, but Chris Christie tweets all the time. He's got a Twitter account. So does uh, Cecilia Vega. She seems to be quite uh, the tweeter as well. And so does ABC News, the studio where they're sitting. All right. They've got like 17 million followers. They tweet every six seconds. So Twitter is a very big deal and they know it. Yet they ignore the story. The FBI in collusion with big tech. I think that's huge. I think they threw the last election. Maybe they like it. Maybe they like it. Anyway. Over on Fox News, they addressed it, but rather politely, in my opinion. This is uh, John Kirby, a spokesman at the White House, who they love having on TV a lot. Anyway.
3: How much pushback ability do they have if the federal government, an agency like the FBI, is calling them up and saying, we don't like these specific tweets and think you should take action?
4: And then they do, it appears.
3: Well, without speaking to that uh, hypothetical situation, again, uh, these are these are private companies um, and uh, and they have to make these decisions uh, based on their own policies, their own uh, their own initiatives. And we respect that. OK, let's talk about the big news this week between Victor Boots
1: and moving on, moving on, because they can't push him too much because they want to have uh, Kirby on some other time. And they're always having him. He's on this show. He's on that show. They're always pleased to have him. And by the way, I would just point out to Mr. Kirby there that it's not hypothetical. It happened. We know it happened. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, a federal agency, obviously, was embedded at Twitter. Not hypothetical. And this brings me back to Elon Musk. This guy is uh, hes amazing, right? He's going to take us to the moon. Uh, he operates on a, on a different level, literally and figuratively. This is spaceport. And he's looking down on his... Creation And now he owns Twitter. By the way, he tweeted this uh, over the weekend. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, let's see here. What do we got here? My pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Good for him. Now, he's a very smart guy. He's the richest man in the world. He's also a bit eccentric, and he likes to smoke weed. I say this as a friend. I don't think you should be doing that because it clouds your judgment. It can at least. I know some people say it's the best thing ever. But I will say this. This whole Twitter file dump has been a bit of a bust as far as presentation goes. Now, the info is dynamite, but they put it up on Twitter in a tweet thread. Like, you got to read each tweet. It's very confusing. I'm on Twitter all the time, and I'm getting lost. I can't—it's hard to manage— Trump never tweeted with Twitter threads. He just, bam! And then five minutes later, bam! You don't tie them together. You separate them, okay? They don't have to be in a thread. Um, Anyway, I think they should do more to highlight this thing. Maybe have a press conference or something like that with the richest man in the world. I think the cameras, I think the people would like to see that, don't you? More than looking at a Twitter thread. Hey, Andrew Cuomo, by the way, uh, remember that guy? Uh, He captivated the world with a silly PowerPoint presentation, basically talking about how many ventilators were in a warehouse and nobody could get enough of it. Uh, The Twitter thread thing doesn't work. I'm disappointed. The Twitter dump, I guess, is over, but it didn't catch on. It didn't catch on. Here's proof, by the way, that Elon Musk, who I like a lot. And by the way, you got to do this for people you like. You can't just praise him all the time. Elon Musk, the richest guy in the world. This is what I mean. He is about to say something amazing, incredible, important. Look at the forum. Look at where he's saying it. I've never, it's some little uh, web channel on Twitter.
2: The media, uh, you know, especially the media that downplayed uh, and censored the whole Hunter Biden story is now trying to downplay your release, Um, obviously, because they are under fire as well, right, because they have been exposed by this uh, by this release. What do you want to say to them? What do you want to say to the media that is trying to turn this into a nothing burger? Well, they're trying to turn it into a nothing burger because they were complicit in deceiving the American public. Um, And so rather than admit that they they lied to the public, they're trying to pretend that this is a nothing burger, obviously. To anyone looking at it, that's clearly what happened. Um, So yeah, I mean, shame on them.
1: All right, great. But look at the format. I've never seen a talk show like this, have you? <laughs> is he being interviewed by a robot? You got the co-host on the left and then Elon on the right? This is the actual presentation. It's not like we eavesdropped on this and, you know, surreptitiously recorded that this is the show. But he is making great points.
2: If, if Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election, shutting down dissenting voices um, on a pivotal election... That is the very definition of election interference. I and mean, what the hell else would you, of course, it's like, yes. Um, you know, that, that frankly, Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd.
1: Hear that? Twitter was acting as an arm of the Democrat National Committee. And now we know also that the FBI was essentially embedded with Twitter. Wow. And they have the nerve to say that this is a nothing burger. And January 6th, January 6th, all those hearings went on and on and on and nothing new. And they wouldn't even talk about Ashley Babbitt. They wouldn't even talk about the new stuff. They wouldn't even talk about the interesting stuff about the security failures. And the same people have the nerve to say that the Twitter situation is a nothing burger. They are wrong. And we'll be right back. Host, of course, of the Howie Carr Show, legendary journalist and author, and also longtime critic of the FBI. Howie, welcome back. How are you, first of all? What do you make of the uh, the Twitter files and Elon Musk and all the stuff we're learning about?
4: It's it's outrageous. It's nothing surprising, but uh, it, they're little tidbits uh, that that jump out at me, like the. Uh, the uh, engineer from uh, China, an immigrant from China, saying, uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, about uh, I, I'm from China, so I may color the way I feel, but I can see where this censorship thing can go. And apparently uh, he was the only one in the in the inner group that, that, that could recognize this. It was outrageous. And, you know, the, the thing about the FBI obviously pro- was providing uh, cover. For, for these people, whether it was uh, Facebook with Zuckerberg, as he told Rogan uh, le- a couple months ago, or now uh, now we're finding out that uh, the, the uh, this guy, uh, Yoel Roth uh, from uh, from Penn was uh, meeting with the FBI. And he was just uh, really uh, impressed by the fact that they were giving him all this inside info. And And I think Miranda Devine is is right in The New York Post that what they were doing is they were surveilling uh Rudy Giuliani under the uh, this uh, bogus uh, you know foreign agent registration act, which you know they they uh, they they dragged Rudy through the mud for a year and a half, two years, and yet it's the same thing that uh, they could have prosecuted uh, Hunter Biden certainly, and maybe even the Podesta brothers, but they were Democrats, but it gave them a way to to check out what uh, Rudy had, what he was doing, and he was obviously trying to get uh, various media people interested in this. Uh, in this laptop, and so then the FBI could go and you know, with a wink and a nudge, say, "Well, you know, this is going to be Russian disinformation that's coming out anytime because they know he's calling uh, Fox, uh, he's calling uh, Just the News, he's yeah. calling yeah. Uh, the New York Post, and uh, it's it's just the the cynicism here is just uh, amazing." And and also, uh, Greg, how about the fact that uh, that both Bill Barr, Trump's appointee and Christopher Ray the head of the FBI director trump's appointee both knew that this laptop was legit yeah. and yet they didn't they didn't go to tell anybody or even drop it off to friendly journalists that, uh, that that this wasn't Russian disinformation like uh, like Clapper and Brennan, who had had a history of lying under oath, rep- peddling to the uh, to the Democrat press. It's it, just a total outrage.
1: It is a total outrage, and I would say though, like the FBI's involvement here is news to a lot of people. It's not being highlighted by the media. And what you said about Rudy Giuliani, as Miranda Devine reported, this guy—they're monitoring him. They know he's going to drop the laptop, and they. Pre what do they call it? Pre bunk the story. By the way, I want to show you also the FBI was involved in a very granular level. There's a guy named John Basham. He is a counselor, an elected counselor, council member in Indiana. He's a Republican. And uh, let's go ahead and put the uh, tweet that he that he had. He was concerned about mail in voting and he basically was, oh boy, it's actually working, might work in our favor. And there's a huge error rate. This tweet, which wasn't seen by all that many people, was flagged by the FBI. The FBI tells Twitter, we got a problem with this tweet. And they lower its visibility and put all kinds of warnings on it. Mr. Basham has 56,000 followers at this point. He probably had less back then. What does it say that the FBI would be worried about somebody like that? Number one, he probably has a point. is <laughs> what he was saying. But what do you make of that?
4: It's just a, another indication of just how how, uh, how how corrupt they were. I mean, look at uh, look at James Baker. He He's the uh, he, you know, the uh, the guy that was fired from Twitter, the the general counsel. He had on his cell phone a message from Michael Sussman, who was indicted and, uh, and tried by uh, by by John Durham, the special counsel. And when he's being uh, interviewed by by law enforcement, by his own former uh, agents who work for him, I assume, he doesn't bother to tell them that he has a uh, a message, uh, a text message that absolutely 100 percent proves the case against Sussman. And, and he's asked about it on the witness stand that he says, well, you know what? It's, uh, he's, he's my friend. That It was your case. It wasn't my case.
1: It's wild. It's not over. Uh, I know people are ignoring it. The mainstream media, they don't want to talk about it. But you can't do this in America. At least that's my hope in my heart. Let's see what happens next. Uh, Howie Carr, to be continued. And thank you. Thanks, Greg. We'll be right back. All right, you're looking at NBC News correspondent Miguel Almaguer. In early November, he reported some very interesting aspects of the Paul Pelosi case. The report, and I was following that case very closely, all of us were, uh, raised some real critical questions. Why did Paul Pelosi walk back into the house after he answered the door for cops? What was the relationship between Pelosi and DePape? there were some legitimate questions he asked them and uh, looks like he got suspended for asking them. But he's finally back on air. Curtis Houck joins us. He's the managing editor at Newsbusters, an online rapid response vehicle for documenting, exposing and neutralizing liberal bias in the media. Curtis, welcome back. How are you? Good to be with you, my friend. How are you? What do you make of uh, Miguel Almaguer? What do they do wrong? Uh, they never said anything public about it. He's back on air now. What happened?
0: Yeah, they never even acknowledged that he was suspended. I, I, They never even said what was wrong with the story about Paul Pelosi. All that they said was online that the story did not meet NBC News standards. So then the question is, again, like, what did he do wrong? Was it sourced improperly? Um, you know, so they brought him back this morning on the Today Show to run around in some really deep snow uh, and talk about wintry mix across the country, I guess, a really easy way to start, as you can see there on screen. You know, the Daily Beast ran around saying the story inflamed right wing conspiracy theories. Well, it's because NBC hasn't really explained still to this day what's going on there, whether it was a single source story. And I should finally I should also add, Greg, the one thing that NBC didn't say is and that you and I know is when you have a big story like that, it goes through multiple layers a produce multiple producers, and might even go to the news director. Those video, that B roll footage while he's talking during that Paul Pelosi story, he doesn't just come up with himself. His team comes up with those things. So there were multiple people involved with this story.
1: Well, the one thing I mentioned, uh, he seemed to imply a question as to whether or not the the Pape and Pelosi knew each other. At one point, he said, mm-hmm. previously, investigators said there was no relationship. I mean, it was a very interesting thing to say. Who knows? But he's back. I think we deserve an explanation. The head of NBC, by the way, he's been there. And he went through that whole Harvey Weinstein thing. He protected Harvey Weinstein. He kept his job. It's the same guy. All right. Enough of that. Hey, do me a favor. PolitiFact. We're always seeing fact checks from PolitiFact. And uh, Twitter actually uses PolitiFact. And some guy tweeted about the election in, where was this? Uh, Indiana, was it? And uh, he had some concerns He put him on Twitter. The FBI, the FBI complains about it and they cite PolitiFact, that PolitiFact says that this story is false. The FBI relying on PolitiFact. Can you, Curtis, uh, tell us a little bit about PolitiFact and are they to be trusted?
0: Well, not surprisingly, no. I mean, PolitiFact is the main you know, kind of fact checking organization that big tech uh, Facebook uses them as well as a main outfit. You know, a lot of these liberal universities are going to cite PolitiFact. It originally came out of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, that's where it's based and it's kind of grown to other outlets across the country with writers all around the world you know why boss tim graham has done a piece just to show that recently in the while looking at the first 20 months in office president trump had 10 pants on fires whereas joe biden has had six in his entire life uh in, in the media really just run to defend joe biden defend the democrats you know they've really made up some Interesting falsehoods, I should say, as of late. You know, they even fact check Elon Musk just over a year ago when they when he said that NBC News covered up uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story and the aforementioned Harvey Weinstein story as well. Uh, and PolitiFact just said that's false and really didn't provide any evidence. So we found the evidence that over two years, they only spent nine minutes on a story. If you only spend that much time on a story over two years, you would think, yeah, you're kind of covering it up. They also had multiple correspondents playing to the Russian disinformation yeah. campaign as well. Um, they had an interesting one from 2020 or 2022 where they said J.D. Vance uh, was only half true to say Tim Ryan voted with Biden and Pelosi 100 percent of the time. Mm. Their excuse. Well, Nancy Pelosi, as speaker, doesn't right. always vote. So you can't say for sure. Wow. It, it's just hair splitting. Uh, to the nth degree. Uh, yep. And uh, the FBI now relying
1: on PolitiFact. It is bogus, should not be trusted, but please trust Newsbusters. Go there as much as you can. Uh, let's see here newsbusters.org and at Curtis Houck, H O U C K. Curtis, we thank you again, and we'll be right back. I used to love and respect the FBI. What are we to think of them now? Wow, huh? Can't believe it. Just can't believe it. Thanks for watching. I'll see you tomorrow night.